You're listening to the Fit Mind, Fit Body podcast, where we explore the connection between a fit body and positive mental health. And our big mission, it's to help 10,000 runners to develop fitter minds in the next two years. I'm your host, Michelle Frost. Let's get moving. To this episode of the Fit Mind Fit Body podcast. Today we're lucky enough to talk to Pip Martin. Now, Pip has been moving all of her life. She has been in some sort of sport for pretty much all of her life. One of the things she said in our interview was that without running, she doesn't think she'd be as happy as she is right now. Enjoy. Hello, everybody. Today on Fit Mind Fit Body, I am introducing you to a friend of mine, Pip Martin, who I have known for I feel like a lot of years now. Pip, what do you think? How many yeah, years? It's been, been a few now? years. I reckon it's close to like twelve years or yes. so. Because my daughter is twelve, so yeah, I reckon oh, it's wow. probably hmm, time is flying. Oh, I can't <laughs> believe that. Oh my gosh. No, I really am feeling old. Anyway, I really, I am delighted to introduce you all to Pip. She's amazing and full of inspiration, but there is a lot of things I don't know about you, Pip. So why don't we start from where you grew up, all of that stuff. Tell me about that. Yeah, no worries. So I'm from the Northwest coast in Tasmania and I was born in Burnie. And then when I was, uh, I don't know, six or seven, we moved to Devonport. And so I lived and grew up in Devonport and absolutely love the Northwest coast of Tassie. It's like the best place on earth. And uh, so when, I, as a, a young child, I played tennis. Yeah. And when I turned 18, I actually went to the US uh, playing tennis on a full tennis scholarship. Wow. So, yeah, so that was a great experience. So it was a um, wonderful opportunity to go and get a free university education and at the same time pursue my tennis career. And so, yeah, I know it was a a great opportunity. And then uh, so I was in the US for seven years. I did my undergrad and master's and some work. And then I introduced new blood to Tasmania because I brought back an American uh so and he's actually got the same last name so uh i didn't have to change my name <laughs> that is i did not know that that's you did amazing. not know that no, yeah, so, know that. yeah so it's so don't call me mrs martin because that's weird because that's like my mum or my mother-in-law but not me <laughs> even though we've been married 21 years so um so yeah so we i came back from the us and we got married and lived in queensland for seven years and then we came back uh, to Tassie, I think in 2007. Oh, wow. So we've been home for a while. Paul, I've got two homes, the USA and here. So yeah. we've been home here for a while. So how long were you in the US for? Seven years. So seven years. And what did you study? I studied an undergraduate degree in marketing and I, then I did my um, MBA, so Master of Business Administration. Oh, wow. That is cool. Yeah. So if we go back a few more, but go back a little bit. Do you have siblings? Do you have brothers? There's six children, yes. How many? There's six children. I'm number four. There's six. Wow. When I tell people I've got five, they go, wow, but that's amazing. (laughs) 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 And is all your family like sporty? Yes, I guess so. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Yeah. They all do bits of like, and do they all live up on the coast still? No, 
I'm the only one left. Oh, really? (laughs) They're all over. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. Well, that makes it good for traveling when we don't have COVID, I guess. Yeah. It means you can travel around and and do things like that. What about your parents? Were they very sporty? Uh, So mum grew up on the West Coast and I don't think there was much opportunity to do sport. And so dad was really sporty. He was he grew up in Hobart and um, went to friend's school and was yeah. an avid runner, cricketer, you yeah. name it, footballer. He did it all. So so I think we got the sporty genes from dad. From dad's yeah. maybe. <laughs> That's interesting. Can you remember, like, I can only imagine, well, we have one member of our extended family who's taken sport to, you know, the um, elite level. And so we've seen what that what that's like for a family because there's a lot of support required especially you know before you went away there would have been your parents would have been taking you around all over the place can you remember what that was like what the motivation was like so it's not just that your parents are you know taking you around everywhere that just that motivation for you it's, it's quite interesting for you to to keep getting up every day and going out to your training when maybe a lot of your school friends are I don't know going swimming or doing whatever that they do when they're not that dedicated to whatever their sport is. And so you can imagine with six children doing all doing sports and going in all different directions. I don't even know how my mum did it, but she was like a taxi living in the car, driving us from all the sports. So um, mum was like amazing in getting us to and from everything. Mm-hmm. And then um, I think like my dad's more like the, the mindset thinking, encouraging coach. So um, he actually used to write on my um, drink bottles on the bottom of them, um, DLVM, which means dad loves you very much. Aww. So if I was in the middle of like a rough tennis match, I would still know that no matter what was going on or if I was away, um, that I was always loved. So I don't know why he didn't put mum and dad, but it was always dad loves you. He did that. So um, so I, I was so fortunate, yes, to have like really supportive parents. And I think they worked really well together as that team to um, enhance all of our children's athletic experiences. And I love and I'm so thankful for that opportunity to be able to do so many different sports and build character and build resilience and experience. Mm. Um, I think that that helped me as a person to grow and it helped me to be who I am today, mm. to be more resilient and positive in situations. And, and the other thing that mum and dad were really good, which is it takes a lot of courage now as a parent, is they would send me off on the bus to tournaments in Hobart or Launceston. Now, admittedly, my brothers were studying at university there, so I had a base for both places. But um, they gave me a lot of independence as well. And I think part of that was as well, I was really intrinsically motivated. I really wanted to do it. So sometimes they kind of held the reins back on me where they needed to as parents. And so I was motivated and inspired and I just loved that um, excitement of improving. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so, yes, I'm so thankful for like a wonderful upbringing and opportunity to be able to do all the things that I've been able to do. That's so cool. So for those of us who haven't um, had a sporting scholarship to another country, (laughs) that that independence must have really helped. Like if you were leaving home, I guess, at 18, 17, 18 to another country, that must have really, you know, held you in good stead, I would think. Yes, I think um, they, 
I was well nurtured and ready to go to the US. I mean, I left when I was 18. Wow. And mm-hmm. uh, and I'd never traveled alone. I'd only ever traveled in teams or groups as a family. And I had to go all the way to the USA. So um, yes, that was a wonderful opportunity. And I think as soon as I arrived in the US, I, it was just a thriving environment because you've got a tennis team of tennis players all um, all keen to help each other and grow our tennis, improve our tennis. And you've got a dedicated coach working with you. And then at the same time, you get to study. So you've got that long-term plan as well. So it was a wonderful opportunity. I mean, it's a really great environment to be able to do that. So, yes, so I don't think I lacked motivation ever. No. experience. So, no, it was was a a wonderful opportunity. You do seem like one of, if someone said a motivated person, um, you're probably one of the people who pop into my head because <laughs> you seem to be very much motivated. When you were in the States, I'm interested to know, if, did they work on um, on mindset as well as part of the tennis side? So tennis is a huge thinking game. So mm. all the top players are talented. All the top players have a great, or nearly all of them have a great work ethic. They work hard. They work hard on the court. And tennis, tennis is very much a sport. It's a little bit different than running mm. because you have to practice how you play. Whereas we can go for a nice long, slow run yeah. um, and it makes you a stronger runner. So it's a little bit different on the intensity with the tennis court. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, that's, yeah, so that's the tennis tennis side of it so tennis is very much a thinking game Mm. so you've got to be able to out there on court um you've got to be able to um get over when you lose a point because you don't win every point you've got to be able to handle yourself physically you've got to react and respond because if you're playing another player and you read that they're down then I stand taller because I'm going to win. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so it is a, a very big game. And we had um, a really good coach who was really good at um, helping us know those um, pressure points and those really important points that we had to play in the match and how to think and then what to do in amongst poor situations. And the other thing was that there were eight girls on the tennis team and you would play matches against another university and you might lose your match, but the rest of the team won. Yeah. So if you lost your match, you just had to get over it and celebrate with the team or vice versa. So it was it was very much a team-oriented sport and you'd have your singles and doubles as well. So the thinking side of it in tennis is massive. So once the players get to a certain level, it's everyone can physically do it and everyone's physically fit. Mm. It's just how you think and how you respond on the court as well. Oh, wow. So you came back to Australia. And did you play a lot of tennis then? So how did... So when I finished my tennis scholarship, I actually retired from tennis. And although I'm a tennis coach now, I don't actually play, play, like play matches. I hit with children and um, and like my children as well. So no, I don't play anymore. I've got a gazillion other sports that I do instead. Yes, (laughs) (laughs) That's interesting. And so... Um, you ended up back in, so you were working in Brisbane, were you, before you came back to Tassie? Yeah. Yes. Um, in marketing and business? Yes. Yep. And then you came back here. Did you, what sport did you do in Brisbane? So my husband's an 
a really keen cyclist. So I actually raced bikes in the US as well. That's how we met through cycling. And so I would do some bike riding and there was a beautiful river um, on the Gold Coast called the Coomera River. Mm -hmm. And so I actually rode with a master's group there uh, for a number of years. So I rode and rode my bike when I was in Queensland. I did the occasional run, but it was very, very occasional. It was more rowing and cycling um, when I was in Queensland. And then when we moved back to Tassie, Uh, I kind of found it a bit cold on the water in the mornings. Uh, So I actually sold my rowing skull and I was a bit busy when we'd started to have children. So that's when I took up the running and started uh, running because it was really time efficient. I could go for a quick 15 minute, 20 minute run and get some sort of movement into my life um, compared to um, having to get, get all sorted and go for a longer bike ride or go for a row or something like that. So why do you think you need to keep moving? Well, it's an interesting one. So the tennis was obviously to pursue a goal and become a better tennis player. But as soon as I finished from that, it became for my mental well-being and for that pure joy. So um, I, it used to always be from my stress release and mental health. And then there were a couple of years there when my children were little that I wasn't getting much movement in. So I had to learn other ways of relieving that tension and relieving that stress. But now I'm very much back in the mode of like I've had a really busy last couple of months because I've been doing my tennis qualification and upgrade on that. I've had lots of trips to Hobart. And one of the things that was a bit of a non-negotiable for me was I still got some movement in. I still got movement in no matter what because I had to take care of me so I could look after my family as well. So um, that was really important. And I just adjusted how I have a a routine each week of my exercise and I just Mm -hmm. adjusted the expectations. So during that busy time, instead of getting a long run on Sundays, I might only get a half an hour run. Mm-hmm. But I was always of the belief that something is better than nothing. Yeah, and yeah. so I just did the doable for me. And But I still worked really hard to keep that routine of going. And so I knew that that was something that was going to get me through because if I didn't have that stress release and I didn't take care of my body, it was going to come out in other areas of my life with other stress. <laughs> yes, we know about that. Yeah. <laughs> so when do you think running became, you said, was it when you started having your kids? Is that when it sort of became a more major place for you to go to for, for your physical hit? <laughs> yes. So I started running when the kids were a few years old and I had um, a gorgeous friend and we'd meet once a week on a Sunday afternoon and go for a run. And we would just catch up and run, which was a social, and it was just that accountability of knowing that every Sunday afternoon we were going for a run. And a few times in there, I did try and do park run and push the children. Mm -hmm. Um, And, but that was kind of uh, not as mentally freeing because sometimes there's challenges when you're pushing children in a pram. So I didn't do heaps of that, but I, I absolutely love park run and I love the community and I love how it so encourages everyone. Like I just love seeing everybody out there moving all shapes and sizes, all ages, all walks of life. And there's just the unity and there's just that connection of being a part of a community. And so um, I think 
uh, as my life progressed, but parkrun became a bigger part of my run, weekly running routine mm. and, um, and, and being able to connect. And I've built some lovely friendships from that over the years. So I think it's just kind of rolled through from there with the, um, the running. And then um, there's a running on Facebook. The Northwest community has like other runs. So you can just plug in and um, join in those runs as well, which is great because if you don't want to run alone, that's a great way to rock up and just you get to meet people by running with them. So how often do they run up there? Like how we've got uh, similar runs, things here in Launceston. Yeah, so there's different runs throughout the week. So hmm. not, I'm not sure every day, but most days most of the days. week there's an opportunity to go for a run with a group of people. That's yeah. really cool. I love it. All right. So I know that there's lots of other sport that you've been involved in since you've had your children as well. What does sport look like for you now, Pip? So I have that weekly routine that I follow. So today mm -hmm. is Monday. So I'm a Pilates instructor. So I have fun club and Pilates tonight. So I teach uh, Pilates. So it's kind mm -hmm. of my rest, physical cardio rest yep. day. And then Tuesday is my swim day. Mm -hmm. And uh, then Wednesday is sometimes my run and swim day. Um, I've got, I join in with the devil, devil's masters and swim with them, uh, on Tuesday morning and Wednesday nights. And if I don't run on Wednesday, I run on Thursday and then I bike ride on Friday. And that's just a quick ride on the Zwift trainer at home. And then yeah. Saturday is park run and then Sunday's my long run. So it's kind of, I've got the same routine and it, I always ask that question, is it sustainable for me? And mm. it, it works well in my life. So I just, the main thing I adjust is that <clears throat> Wednesday or Thursday run, depending on what's going on in my life. So, mm. um, so the swimming side of things is an interesting story. Um, I'm, I'm a land creature. Let's just go with that. <laughs> so I, I really enjoy running and bike riding. And I, I, I struggle and I struggled mentally with my swimming. So I was an average swimmer, probably a below average swimmer. And I finally got the courage about a year ago to join in with the Devil's Masters. And I'm a big one of surrounding myself with people who help me to achieve or move to where I want to be. And I was very aware that how I thought in the pool was rubbish. Mm -hmm. uh, so I can go for a run and, and I, it's just invigorating and replenishing and energizing. Mm -hmm. And I would go for a swim and it was not the same. The self-talk before I'd go for a swim would be, you're terrible at swimming. Why do you even bother? Why would you go? Um, you're not a swimmer. Um, like lots of self-talk. So I had a lot of excuses not to go swimming. So I made that decision that I was going to go and hang out with swimmers to learn to think like a swimmer. So one of my goals was to actually start thinking like a swimmer. And so um, the Devil's Masters are absolutely wonderful. And I have grown so much. I've had lots and lots of really, really uncomfortable moments. And I've wanted to quit so many times um, just because it doesn't come naturally to me and as an older adult learning to properly swim has been hard for me mm -hmm. and and so um it's funny because if I look back a year ago at how I was thinking I was literally doing each swim stroke 
you're terrible. Why are you swimming? You like that was the self talk wow. every single stroke. And I know runners, people starting running, do the same sort of thing mm. and going, I don't enjoy this. So I made that choice to swim until I enjoyed it. And gradually over time, I've discovered that now it invigorates me. And now I'm probably a little bit addicted and I need to do my swimming. So I've just grown in that year space of how um how I think and uh, one day I remember swimming really distinctly and I was like I'm swimming I'm doing this I can do this instead of the previous self-talk yeah and I also noticed that the self-talk before I was going to swim was changing in a better frame of what can I improve today and I was working on that so it's been interesting but I, it's popping up in my Facebook stories now I kind of captured my story of swimming a bit and so it came up the other day that a year ago I learned how to do breaststroke and backstroke. Wow. So that was the very first time I knew how to do freestyle. And so that was so amazing to look back and go, wow, a year wow. ago I didn't know how to do those things. And then only in the last few months have I learned how to do butterfly. And I, I still find it super hard, <laughs> but I know that it's put me in a growth mindset and a growth position. And now I really enjoy my swimming and I do it for that pure enjoyment and, and sustainability as well. And it's also my backup plan because running is harder on your body than swimming. Mm -hmm. And uh, so if I get injured, which I haven't got injured, but if I do, I know I can jump in the pool and swim a bit more. And I was really inspired. I did a swim meet which was a huge stretch for me I, in Hobart we went and all the masters went down and we there was a um a championship and um I was so they do in masters they do the races based on your times okay so I'm standing on the blocks with 60 70 80 year old men and women because mm -hmm. that's how fast I am yep and I think they're looking at me going she looks rather athletic as she lied on her time yeah. <laughs> But what I learned from that is it was so amazing to see 80 and 90-year-olds swimming. Wow. And, and that's what I love at Parkrun. There's some gentlemen there that are uh, not spring chickens anymore and they're out there running and I just love it. It inspires me. So swimming, I think I can, it's something I can keep doing for a very long time. Why, why did you go to swimming? Why did you? So tell everyone why swimming was something that you needed to get better at in your mind well I I in my bucket list I wanted to do a triathlon oh so I did I did a triathlon and I sort of drowned for 200 meters and from that experience I discovered or decided I needed to improve yeah. my swimming so um that was where it all started uh-huh yeah um yes I think that's quite a common experience for runners that they and because it can usually cycle a bit, like most runners, because we've got, there's something with our, there's a similarity, even though it's quite different, but then you get in the water. It's, as you said, it's not the land. <laughs> you can't just breathe when you want. It's quite, it's quite different. So I'm not surprised that that was some of your experience, but it's amazing um, what you say, because it sounds like your ability to focus on the desired outcome that you might, you know, you're not going to get you know, the next 10, 20 times that you get in the pool, but you believe that in the future, if you keep being consistent, that it will come 
at some point because you know you're surrounding yourself as you said with people who are experiencing those cool moments in the pool so it's obviously possible it's not um you know unicorns and rainbows it's actually a possible possibility and it, it was fascinating so it's like the conversations you have at the beginning of park run i'm quite comfortable and at home in those conversations but at the beginning of swimming, I used to turn up early. I still do turn up early, but I used to sit there and we had these conversations and it was like a foreign language because they would be saying, oh, I get so energised from swimming and I'm like, I get exhausted. And so it, I could see the difference of where I wanted to be and where I was currently at. So it was, it was just those conversations of uh, realising that that's where I wanted to be and it gave me that growth mindset to keep working at it but it wasn't easy and it wasn't comfortable and I'm still not saying it's easy but I know that I've developed and grown mm -hmm. as a person because it's helped me be way more empathetic to people that don't find other land sports mm -hmm. easy either so and and I just get so inspired like seeing people out and moving I, I love it so the other thing I've noticed with your sporting story is that it all involves competition <laughs> tell me how you feel about competition Pip. how does that work in your world oh uh, I am very competitive mm -hmm. but at the same time I've got a really uh, sustainable long-term approach mm -hmm. so I'm not uh, like in my tennis days it would have been it's not a win at all cost but I was I'm very determined and want to win whereas now I compete against myself yeah so when I'm lining up at the pool against the 80-year-olds, I actually don't mind racing against them. It's a great environment. I'm trying to beat my personal best. I'm trying to beat my PBs. I, I'm working on my PBs. And it's the same at park run. I go into my park run or my runs with an intention. And it's not about being the first female. It's not about um, beating anybody else. I, it doesn't bother me at all it's about me doing the best that I can mm -hmm. and so each year I usually pick out a couple of events where I really focus on them and try and do really well so I've done um, it usually is the state duathlon championships and the Bernie 10 mm -hmm. and then usually knock out a couple of good park runs in there of, of time but a lot of the time I just do a nice consistent solid run mm -hmm. but if I feel really good I'll actually have a crack of, of what I'm at what I'm doing and, yeah. and that classic example of sustainability was with all my tennis studies I wasn't sure how I'd go in the birdie 10 this year and I did a really really strong good run and I was super stoked with that and that was just that consistency of mm. doing what I could in amongst a stressful time and or yeah. busy and stressful time yeah wow Gosh, you, there's a lot we can learn from you, Pip, I tell you. Now, what about your children? Are they learning from you? Are they running around like um, little ducklings after you and being very active? Well, uh, yes, they are. And uh, so Paul, Paul, my husband's really sporty as well. Yeah. So we're encouraging the children to do a huge broad array of as many sports as possible, mm -hmm. at, like a sampling platter. And so then they can choose and enjoy and go, oh, this is a sport I'm really good at and this is a sport I really enjoy. Well, so far they're uh, really enjoying pretty much everything they do. <laughs> Great. So that's good. It just means we're busy running around after the countryside. So, yes, so they, um, they both play soccer and do little aths and they're both super keen on tennis. 
and um, at the school they go to, they go to Devonport Christian School, uh, we have a running club. So they both love running as well. So we each week there's, it depends on the week, but there's about 10 to 30 children who come along at 7, 7.15 in the morning and oh, wow. run in primary school. That's amazing. So, yes, it's wonderful. So that's sharing that joy of running. And it's all ability types. It's not just the good runners. It's just mm-hmm. everyone who loves to run. So uh, I'm thinking, oh, and, and my daughter does gymnastics as well. So they do a huge range of activities. And I'm a big believer in them learning resilience and building character from those experiences and experiencing disappointments and understanding that even if you win, there's always going to be somebody somewhere that will beat you at some stage. So understanding that principle and being good sports as well. So having that strong character mm. to uh, to say in tennis, I said that yesterday at tennis, I said, say good shot. So they understand that it's okay to be um, a good sport out there and you can be a good sport and have um, good character and still win as well. Mm-hmm. It's does it's not mutually exclusive. <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. <laughs> and have you written on the on your daughter's um, drink bottles yet at all? You know, I haven't. I should do that. I should write on my children's drink bottles. <laughs> I'm going to. Uh, I'm thinking. Why have I not done that? <laughs> I have done it on on other things like their sleeping bag. If they yeah. camp and different things like that, but not in their drink bottles. I think that's so cool. <laughs> all right. Um, we often talk about identity. So we talk about when you, when do you think you first called yourself a runner, like just in this arena? Could you think of when that might've been? I've always thought of myself as an athlete. Hmm. So I like to go with the broader terms of probably as soon as I started playing tennis as a 12 year old, I thought of myself as an athlete and I trained like an athlete and I fueled and prepared myself like an athlete. Uh, So the runner side of it, when I was in primary school, I was good at running. Mm -hmm. And when I was in high school, I was good at running, but I didn't train for it because Mm -hmm. I was doing a myriad of other sports. So I I think I was always knew that I was Mm -hmm. good at running and just, so I never didn't think of myself as a runner. I think it plays a good supporting role, doesn't it? Yeah. So even though I didn't run, uh, I didn't run lots for a period of years, I'd probably run for training for the Mm -hmm. other sports, but it wasn't as huge of a part of my life as it is now. So it's an interesting one because I made that intentional Mm -hmm. progression from, not being a swimmer to I remember that moment where I realized I was actually a swimmer and so with running uh I I don't know when I actually did that because it was I think it's I've always just thought of myself as an athlete and running was a part of that journey I love your reference to you know it it being a broader term here being an athlete we, we often talk about well, I'm a person who likes to move. So if for some reason I can't run, I'm not so devastated because, you know, an important part of my identity has been removed, which I think would have been really healthy too for the tennis side because, you know, suddenly, you know, that's a big part of our, um, uh, that we see in the news and things is when elite sport people can't do whatever their gig is anymore, whatever their sport is and, and um all sorts of horrible, you know, mental health issues that they have because of it and because their identity is so wrapped up in it. So I think that, you know, that kind of clue using a much broader term like athlete or, you know, a, a person who likes to move as your identity um, and I think, insulates yeah, you a bit from that, those things. I've always um, 
I don't put my identity in who I am based on my results. Mm-hmm. I put my identity in like that's the competing against my personal results, mm-hmm. like me improving myself, yeah. not beating others. Now it's a bit yeah. harder on the tennis court, but post tennis, that's very mm-hmm. much how I've operated yeah. of just doing my best and being the best that I can be as a person in whatever sport I can do at the time. <laughs> That's good. Um, how long do you think you'll be running for slash sport? Well, I've been really fortunate for so, for a very long time. I've pretty much been injury-free for a number yes. of years. And I'm so thankful for that. I think that was when I became a Pilates instructor yeah, that helped me to take better care of my body. So I do the Pilates sessions each week. I teach them so it forces yeah. me to do them as well. And um, so the goal is to run as long as I can for as long as I can, but I'm always huge about the amount of running I do. So I only ever run three times a week. Where do, I you, don't, run? Where do you run those? Like are they road running or trail running? It's or? pretty much all road running. So, um, yeah, so I just run locally around. On, we've got mm-hmm. some beautiful paths. Um, but I had a, a lady who stayed with us and she'd actually broken her back and she shared with me this book and it's uh, a really good book called Pain Free Ooh. by uh, Pete Agoscu yep. and he's got a method called the Agoscu Method and she told me her story. She'd actually broken her back on the trampoline and she couldn't walk and she is qualified or was quali- is qualified in this method. And so I bought the book because I'm an avid reader mm-hmm. and I love this book because what it does is if I have a little niggle in yeah. my um, body, I go into this and it shows me these simple exercises that I can do uh, that help my body to improve. So a, a little during COVID, I had a random thing going on and niggle in my foot mm-hmm. and it just got you to rotate your foot 25 times in both directions and then it got came fine what so, I know like <laughs> so simple so anyway so I love that book I'll put a yeah. link to it in in the show notes as well yeah so do that it's it's mm-hmm. a great book so that's actually helped me be injury free because I'd have niggles here and there and yeah always making sure I'm keeping track of how many kilometers are on my running shoes and getting running shoes, new running shoes, even though they don't look like they need to be new running shoes. Yeah. So changing them regularly and looking after them. So as long as I can, I'm really about sustainability. I want to be running when I'm 80, swimming the backup plan. (laughs) uh, I had someone the other day who said that they, they admittedly run a lot of kilometers in a week. But they said that they never run in the same pair of shoes two days in a row. Like they have something like three pairs of shoes that they rotate. So I said, well, that means I can tell Simon I need to buy more running shoes. Uh, I do the same because I do run on Saturday for park run and then my long runs on Sunday. Sunday. There's two different pairs of shoes. What? I feel like I've missed a whole thing here. I could have had a whole lot more (laughs) shoes than I've had. (laughs) Well, I'm a huge fan of mentors. So when I had that niggle in my foot and it wasn't anything significant, um, I actually messaged a whole bunch of my runner friends and asked them and said, okay, what's going on? And they, and some of them said, well, maybe you should be rotating your shoes. And that was, so what, that was one of my learnings from that little niggle of changing the shoes. That's so cool. I love it. All right. This is a question I ask most people and that is, um, how do you think running has improved your life? So if you weren't running, what would you be missing out on now? Well, given that I do so many other sports, <laughs> there's a little bit of transparency. So if I wasn't running, I'd be doing another sport. Um, if I was doing no sport at all, yes, let's uh, go with that. 
I think I would be uh, a bit of a basket case, I reckon. You probably <laughs> can't remember a time when you haven't. No, well, when my children were young, I was probably only getting the walks for pushing the pram. I wasn't okay. getting a whole lot of movement then. Yeah. So I think it, it gives me that mental clarity. So I think if I didn't have movement in my life, I wouldn't experience the joy I do each day. I wouldn't feel as thankful. I, there's so many benefits to that movement that it just makes me who I am. And I'm just so thankful that it's a part of me and a part of my life. So I think, yeah, without running in my life, I don't think I would be as happy as I am now. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. <laughs> so, um, do you have any tips for beginner runners? So I love encouraging people to get moving. Yeah. And so there's a few principles that I really encourage people to follow. So some people go, yep, I want an instant fix. I want to be able to run five kilometres. And they go and run five kilometres and then they can't move for three days. So uh, the first tip I've got is the principle of progressive overload. Mm -hmm. So you need to build it up slowly and build it up slowly and more slowly than you think. So it's a matter of run walking. So if you're going to go start running, uh, walk and then run. Um, and so the run is, and you could should be able to, like I'm talking a lot of the time as I run or listening to podcasts. Yeah. And so as I'm um, running, I'm able to talk and have that conversation and you're just going through that movement. So a lot of people make this mistake of going too hard and they go, <laughs> mm. and it's not sustainable. So you've got to find that balance and speed that you can just set at a nice, comfortable jog and jog walk. Mm -hmm. So building it up and building it up slowly. So you don't go and run a marathon tomorrow. You've got to do the base miles and, and understanding that principle that you don't need to go hard all the time. Um, doing that lineal training, just steady, nice, easy kilometres is a lot easier on the body mm -hmm. rather than going at flat stick all the time. Yeah. So um, that's probably the principle of progressive overload. And the other principle would be keeping it sustainable. So I'm always asking myself the question, so the exercise I do is really sustainable for me. And obviously I've had a busy few months and it's mm -hmm. still been sustainable. And I'm always asking, can I do this in six months time? Uh, sorry, six years time or five years time. Can I keep doing it? And so the sustainability, finding that routine that's sustainable for you and sticking to it um, is really, really important. It's so easy to have, oh, I'm going to do the Bernie 10. Yeah. And then you train like crazy, you train like crazy, and then you stop. Mm -hmm. And it's not sustainable. So having events to focus on, but at the same time, having that long-term sustainability is really important to be able to keep running and keep mm -hmm. moving. It's a life and, thing, isn't it? Not a, not a flash in the pan. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's about life. And, mm -hmm. and the other one is to find someone to run with uh, or find a buddy uh, to do the journey with, accountability partner, however whoever there's lots of great opportunities I think the running community in Devonport has taught me so much in that journey of going along to runs and asking questions and when I've had all sorts of questions I've been given and shared um, lots of people shared amazing wisdom and insight and it's mm -hmm. helped me grow as a runner and then in plugging into the parkrun community everyone thinks parkrun is parkrun but it's really park 
community <laughs> you can walk the whole way and occasionally right. if I've had a nickel I've walked the whole way and it's absolutely fine to walk the whole way people think you have to run and I'm like no just rock up and you won't ever be the last person because there's somebody else their job is to be the volunteer and be the tail runner so or tail walker um so and the other one is just do it so get out there have a go and and just do it and then the final one is to make sure we talked about running shoes is make sure you get a good pair of running shoes. Yeah. Uh, it's worth that investment of um, taking care of your body and your feet. If you're using um, cheap old shoes that have had lots of wear, you're not going to get the support that you may need from um, a good pair of shoes and a different shoes, so different people. So you've got to find the right shoes for you as well. Yeah, that's a good point. I love those points. Thank you. They're great no tips. Uh, two last questions. What kind of things do you think about when you are running, Pip? So it depends. So a lot of my runs, like my Sunday morning long run, is often with a group of people. Yeah. And so I actually will often go to that run with questions that I want answered about running or about life. So it's like a therapy session. If I'm just running on my own, which is my Wednesday morning or Thursday morning run, mm -hmm. I sometimes listen to podcasts yeah. or I just zone out and I enjoy around the world around me. So during COVID, we're obviously running on our own quite a bit. So I started taking photos. So I, I try really hard to be present and see the beauty all around me I saw and be that. thankful I saw as I run. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, so I love it because I'm like, I want to capture those memories and capture that journal. That's why I use Strava. I, I go, I want to remember this moment. I want to remember this mm. weather. And so I'm, I'm really present, but at the same time, I sometimes I just zone out and um I, it's kind of I had to explain but I just yeah. run and I just enjoy that and I'm thankful I look and go wow I can run I'm so thankful I'm not got an injury or anything like that so um but I did have a time after I'd done my 100 park runs I had a time where I kind of lost my running mojo because mm -hmm. I was really focused on getting my 100 park runs and it was delayed with COVID and at that point, I don't know what happened, but I was just kind of like blah about my running. Yeah. So I made that decision to still keep showing up. And so every week I was showing up at park run and then the excuses were popping in and I was like, no, I'm just going to show up. And so one week somebody was like, how are you going? And I'm like, I'm here. That's what I'm <laughs> celebrating. I'm here. And then consistently going and doing my other runs as well. And, uh, and just making that choice to keep still keep showing up. And then after a couple of weeks, I got my mojo back and I was and good was to fine. go. So it's, it's an interesting one of, I think I knew that I had to do it for me and my mental strength and my mental well-being, but it was just I wasn't as motivated as I normally am. But it, and it would have been quite easy just to stop. Because it was so easy. I could have easily, and I could have easily just missed one run and then another run and then another yep. run. And I just knew that I had to be consistent and I had to keep trying and, and keep doing what I love to do. That's a great example. I love that. Is there anything about running in particular, Pip, that we haven't mentioned that you think we should talk about briefly before I let you go? Oh. I don't know. I think we've covered off on everything. We have covered a lot of stuff. 
I think the biggest thing is for if somebody's new and out there running, I think we're really hard and judge ourselves. Mm. And I don't care who it is out there running. Like I care about that person, but I feel inspired. So if I'm out running and I'm, I see another runner, I feel inspired by that person. If I see another walker, I'm so appreciative that they're out there moving. And mm. sometimes people think, oh, well, they're faster than me or I'm faster than them. I don't think like that at all. I am just thankful that everyone's out there moving. And so my last pearl of wisdom would be stop judging yourself, stop yeah. comparing yourself to others and just do you and be the best version of yourself because it'll make you a better version of you if you get out there and then and just have a go. It's absolutely okay to be wherever you're at and um, to, to get moving and find something that you love to do. So I love to do the running and the bike riding and now I love to do the swimming. So it's just finding that balance of yeah. what you love to do. Yeah, and then you too can become an inspiration like Pip is to all of us to keep us moving. Oh, So Pip, thank you. I know you have somewhere to go. So I just wanted to say a massive thank you. Really appreciate the time you've shared and the wisdom because you're full of it, full of wisdom. Um, and it's been awesome that you've been willing to share it with us. Don't completely go because I'll say a quick goodbye to you on the recording as well. But again, thank you so much for sharing your time with us. Thanks so much for having me, Michelle. Thank you for listening to the Fit Mind Fit Body podcast. I'd love to talk to you about your running journey. So send me a message on Facebook or on the website and let's do it. For a bunch of resources on mindful running that will help you get and stay mentally and physically fit, head over to the website fitmindfitbody.co and I'll see you there. Plus, I'll be back here in your podcast player a few times a week. Hit subscribe now so that you don't miss an episode. And before you go, I'd really appreciate it if you'd leave a review. It'll help more people to find the podcast and get inspired to start running. I'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.